0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett, and I'm your host. Fantastic. All right. So, OK, so this is going to be the another episode for the Evolution Exchange discussing uh, public cloud transformation. Uh, Hakim, would you like to introduce yourself first? Yeah, so
1: Hakim Eliyahu is my name. <clears throat> I work as a cloud architect uh, at Swedbank presently. And I've been in the IT space since the 1990s, Uh, started out as a developer, fell in love with the magic of server virtualization in the early 2000s, and then uh, took on a broader role as infrastructure architect. Uh, Been working close to customers uh, uh, all the time and have have also been a team lead and a manager. Uh, Took my first cloud certification around 2013, but really started focusing on cloud uh, around 2015. And I've been helping different types of organizations with their cloud adoption, uh, both big and small, and both regulated
0: and heavily regulated. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Fantastic. Henrik, uh, do you want to go next?
2: Uh, Sure. Uh, So I'm Henrik,
0: uh, and uh,
2: I work as a self-employed consultant, uh, currently assigned to a gambling company where I work in the platform engineering area. Uh, mostly focusing on things like, yeah, Kubernetes and uh, CI/CD, continuous integration and deployment. Uh, basically, trying to facil- facilitate for developers to have a smooth journey when deploying their applications and uh, building on the platform that we use for that. That is based on uh, Kubernetes and various cloud technologies, including OpenStack and AWS. Uh, so,
3: yeah.
0: Fantastic, Patrick. How about you?
3: Hi, so my name is Patrick Birkenheim, um, I'm currently working as the head of operations for a Finnish media tech company called Media Taylor. Um We are a pretty small company, but with big clients we run and operate the cloud media um, management and distribution for, for, exa- for example, Sanoma here in Finland. And um, uh, I kind of specialize on the business and DevOps side of of, uh, of cloud adaptation and, and management, um, and especially on the media management sphere. Um, I've been working with cloud business since I'd say give or take 2016, uh, when I really understood the added value it can really bring to business when it comes to scalability, cost management. Um, and overall, just business transformation when it comes to increasing um, competitiveness and then, and so on. Um, I, as I, As I mentioned, I have a kind of a business perspective on things, although I do develop a little bit, but I'm a horrible developer. Um, so pretty much my perspective is always to, to how can I bring the best kind of media flow to, to, um, to anything cloud related.
0: Cool. Very nice. All right, uh, so let's just jump in straight away with the uh, questions. Uh, Hakeem, uh, would you like to go first?
3: Yeah,
1: sure. So yeah, my my topic was about the cloud adoption or transformation and uh, why it is slow in some organizations uh, and much faster in others, even though organizations are similar in, in size and, and industry. Um, Having helped different kinds of organizations, I've seen some interesting patterns, and I would like to seize the opportunity to, yeah, to listen in on your on your opinions on that.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Patrick, do you want to take this one first?
3: Hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really good question, and and, and somewhat hard to answer. Um, but I would I would approach this question as I usually approach really kind of hard strategic. Um, challenges and based on my experience it, it usually comes down to um, does the does the company or organization at hand have a like a clear cloud strategy for for the implementation and adaptation I mean it really starts with that and and even before that does, does it have a top management buy-in? For, for for cloud adaptation i've seen a bunch of companies who try to build a cloud infrastructure from the ground up from 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 the grassroots level But you usually have some experts saying that i've had experience in another company x or another corporation x or organization x with really good cloud um, uh, architectures or examples and let, should we try them here and and usually that fails it it, it From my experience if you really want to have a successful cloud adaptation, it should start at the top level and you should have all the top decision makers uh, bought in on the process. And, And if that's not the case, that's usually a very slow process, if at all successful.
0: Fantastic. Henrik, what's your opinion?
2: Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I mean, uh, th- those are valid points.
0: Uh,
2: and uh, I also think it has to do a bit about w- with the culture. Uh, are the uh, employees of the company willing to accept change? Uh, I mean, there, there could be stuff involved like, uh, stuff, having the things you knew before, maybe valued less. If you're coming from uh, managing a server farm, for example, uh, basically all that knowledge you built up has to kind of be thrown away, and uh, instead you need to learn a lot of new stuff about how to manage the cloud, whatever cloud you uh, you may choose to to work with. So, so I think it's also yeah.
0: I'd like to add culture
2: as uh, one one point that could be
1: interesting.
0: Akeem, what's your view? Obviously, you're the one asking the question, but I imagine you've yeah. still got an opinion.
1: <laughs> some really, really good input and I agree fully. And yeah, it's it's about that buy-in, the top management buy-in, and not only the the support because that's not enough. They need re- need to realize that the cloud transformation is actually an organizational journey as well. As well, I mean, the company gets some technical capabilities, but the huge task is actually changing the way, ways of work. the the culture, the mindset, and uh, an IT team on the ground don't have the mandate to change those things. And that's why it really needs to be pushed from above with deliverables uh, and accountability uh, to really make things happen. Because what I've seen when that isn't in place is, for example, that most questions, at least in bigger organizations that are regulated, maybe you go to compliance or or legal, Mm. the answer is just no. But if there is a push from above, the answer or the uh, it would rather be okay. That won't work. But maybe if we do it this way instead, so it becomes a discussion instead of a wall in front of you. So yeah, and and also regarding ways of working and so on, is the company really, really as agile as it it thinks? I think the cloud journey is uh, quite a good uh, canary bird, so to say. Uh, that shows if the the organization is ready for change and can change and be fast paced. Uh, yeah, the, the organization usually shows its colors regarding that when the cloud journey starts.
0: 100%, I mean, I was speaking to a, um, an individual today about um, obviously, you know, cloud is one thing, but also like involving like agile methodologies as well. I mean, you can, you know, implement agile functions but you've got to really bring it in as a culture so I think in any form of transformation you know it's not just the technical aspect that you need to implement but obviously you need to get everybody on board and there are some people that you know just aren't you know on the same wavelength or want to be on the same wavelength so it's about how you can encourage and adapt uh, the mindset of those as well yeah all right. Um, so are you happy with the answers you received to that one?
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Thank you. Wonderful. All right. Um, Patrick, do you want to ask uh, your mm. question, maybe give some context uh, yeah. around the question as well?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> so let's say that an that organization has decided that we're going to go all in, or at least like a significant portion of, of the of the daily business or or processes or workflows that we're gonna we're gonna transfer them to the cloud and uh, doesn't matter which one um, so what would you say in any given scenario would be the key factors to manage this effective and and safe adaptation um, for, for public cloud for any organization
0: uh, Henry do you want to start this one off yeah yeah um...
2: Thinking a bit might be become a bit technical and, and uh, into <laughs> into my, my own question a bit but but I think uh, well you, I think you need to start small because uh, cloud can be very overwhelming if you start using lots of separate different services at once or even try lots of different services. It, it can be really hard for the organization to keep up. What are we really using? what is critical and so on. I think it's critical that you have some good way of documenting exactly what you're using and what it is for and to start small and make sure it works and make sure you have the processes in place to uh, yeah to to be able to to sort out what what kind of resources are we using and what are they for and are they critical and then start
0: small and build from there that that would be my my suggestion well, i' like making a test environment first in some cases yeah uh hakim what's your opinion i
1: agree totally with that uh, incremental approach so to speak uh, because it is a learning learning journey both both technically and uh, non-technically so and going into the, the technical space i think it's really important to focus on a couple of areas early on uh, that would be identity uh, networking and the security areas uh, because they are they hurt a lot to change later on and they hurt a lot if you don't have it in place early on. Um, then on the organizational side we, we touched upon it right? Ha- having the buy-in and so on um, but also making sure that you have the right competence uh, Having an ed- educational initiative uh, is really important, but you also need to bring in people who has the experience. Because with uh, uh, cloud being such a quite a new area still, um, education gives you some capabilities, but the reality looks quite different out there.
0: So yeah, I do like how that ca- uh, question actually affects the first as well. So obviously, if you're only able to, you know. It- slowly increment different new services into the into the cloud infrastructure that you're building obviously that will slow down so in the larger organizations that you have obviously you've got a lot more that you need to so to say lift and shift at the same time mm-hmm. wonderful all right so um henrik would you like to ask uh, your question
2: yeah uh so we're getting a bit into the- previous question uh about cloud technologies being overwhelming and so on uh question is uh, what are the best ways or
0: technologies to manage cloud configuration complexity Hakim, you're doing quite a lot of this at Swedbank at the minute being involved in the architectural side of things so I imagine you have to you know pick and choose quite a few different tools all the time so why don't you answer this one first
1: yeah, looking both at Swedbank and the other organizations, you really need to, to look at the maturity of the organization uh, to be able to answer this in the beginning. Uh, I think adding um, another layer, so to speak, on top of everything will make things uh, harder to manage. It will at least take a longer time uh, for the cloud journey. I think it's important to, to get some hands-on experience for the organization early on. Um, But as the maturity grows, and of course, the bigger the organization is, uh, you will use a lot of different services and at that stage, uh, I think you you need to have a plan on how to manage that. And I I think it's a hard balance, right? Because if you start to put uh, some types of software in between you as an organization and the different cloud services out there, uh, you usually only you can usually only use the, the, uh, the smallest common denominator, so to speak. Uh, the strengths within the different cloud providers won't be readily available through that middle layer. Uh, but at the same time, you, you get a, a better governance, better control, and better visibility. So yeah, it's a balance, and, and you have to look at the maturity of the organization to, to be able to, to choose. And of course, it changes all the time.
0: Are there any technologies in particular that you have a preference towards that handle that level of complexity?
1: No, not really. I, I mean, I still haven't seen one solution to rule them all. So it, it becomes, uh, no, at least today, no matter what you're trying to do, it becomes a patchwork of, of different solutions anyways, uh, in at least at some level.
0: Makes sense. Patrick, how about you?
3: Mm, yeah, I mean, another really great question. It's really hard to answer this with a, I don't know, with a solid, all, 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 around um, answer. But I would say that getting this right really requires um, uh, the involvement of, uh, I'd say, like experts um, who are well versed with the latest cloud practices and 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 who have been really uh, learning the hard way. I would say, um, like how to get this right. Um, I would say people who have a deep understanding on the on the latest methodologies and uh, the capabilities of whatever public cloud platform is in use. And um, again, I, I would say that if you have the privilege of having a great in-house team, then of course you can spend as much time... On the problem solving and uh, architecture discussions, and uh, uh, finding the right solutions and, and the right code. But if that's not the case, then it of course comes down to finding the right partners who can help your organization. Um, um, how would you how, how would you say like reduce the complexity uh, by, for instance, uh, uh, using Terraforming or or or. Um, just like the the, the re, re, rewriting the architecture of your of your current uh, workflows, uh, I have not personally seen uh, a great like uh, uh, over over uh, ruling of of, the, of a large enterprise level architecture, but I've heard about them and and nobody wants to go through them. So, uh, in at the end of the day, yes, reducing complexity should be like a week in week out process just making sure that you're always working with the right um, uh, methodologies that uh, add business value and and make people's life easier not like having this like a once per year two times a year discussion because at that time it could very well be that time has surpassed your need
0: so it's less a techno technological complexity but more a culture shift as a more of like a maintenance project rather than something that you just do when it becomes a problem.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I, again, I speak from the. I, 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 I usually use the business term, but I mean, I'm not a I'm not a businessman per se, but I, I work with operations, and and I would say that 90% of all technological issues or technical issues uh, result in uh, in a human related issue. That you you get demotivated developers and architects and and maintenance staff, and that's what I try to avoid. So just listening um, technical staff uh, every week or usually every day will give you a pretty good sense on on where the complexity uh, is at any given scenario, and that you that should give you early warning signals on on where to put your attention.
0: Fantastic, Henrik. How does that uh, relate to the current situation that uh, you're in? Uh, yeah, all, all valid
2: points. Uh, I'm also thinking about. I mean, some some just chances if I should throw in what what I what I've been reflecting on myself would be that uh, configuration is code is something you probably want to work with, and uh, so that that is a way so it becomes possible to. Uh, version control your infrastructure basically uh, but of course you will, you will have to have a tool in between there that can speak to the cloud so to speak and uh terraform is a pretty strong uh tool at least right now uh, but it it also has a quite steep learning curve but th- that's where my experience is it's uh, it's at least something that that brings you uh some distance on the way to, to managing this, I would say. 100%. Uh,
0: Hakim, I know you had a number of other questions that you wanted to ask. Uh, do you want to just um, reel one of them off um, Ooh, while I you have the opportunity, to, have the, uh, opportunity <laughs> to do so? Um, you need to help me there with the questions, actually. Um, let's see. Because what I'll do is I'll ask um, Gustavo's question for the group um, and get those up as well. Um, so Gustavo's question was how shall cloud providers manage public sector impressions and expectations with reference to rare events uh, such as Amazon cancelling parlour? Um, uh, Patrick would you like to start on that one?
3: <clears throat> yeah sure um i had to, i had to actually look this particular example up and uh, i i would say that um i actually used to work in risk management and um, um my daily job at that time was making sure that whatever was business critical um that there was always an insurance some kind of a hedging um against it. So that for instance, if you had critical infrastructure that was that was third party related, then that wasn't probably a good idea because critical infrastructure should never be related to a third party. Uh, at least something that is um within the risk of being from, for instance cancelled or, or 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 sold or or turned or turned down or whatever. And so my I I would just say that um this comes down to balancing risk. I mean, some risks you just have to accept that if you select uh, a microservice that is really um, depending on, on some um, team or a third party vendor uh, b- producing proprietary technology, then you just have to accept that, if, for instance, if that third party vendor is um, uh, acquired by another party who's who, has, who does not have an interest of that microservice existing, then that might just be dissolved. And then you have to accept that, uh, or you have to have a plan B or an exit strategy. So this comes down to just balancing and accepting risk. I, I don't really have a better answer for that one.
0: Yeah. Henrik, um, did you look into that at all? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, it.
2: It's interesting. It's a, it's a very rare example that is brought up here, but still, if you see that as a risk, I mean, that probably this case was uh, some kind of controversial uh, product or company that that uh, cloud providers or at least one uh, wanted to cancel. But and if you have a product that you want to run in the cloud, and you should c- calculate on that risk, that that is quite that has quite a big impact because you you probably want to rely on the cloud that it should be there and uh, I mean they have all these features of uh error silence and so on you can uh, the cloud should run in many regions even if there's an earthquake in one region it should still be running but then it turns up that uh, the cloud provider might just decide to cancel you all of a sudden and then you're kind of cooked. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it, it's a very, very rare example. But if you should calculate on that risk, then I think yeah, it will have a big impact. I mean, it should you have a, a backup server farm just in case that it's not
1: workable.
0: Yeah, okay. Hakim, did you have anything um, prepared for Gustavo's question?
1: Uh, I've read about it, but I don't have any details if it was canceled because they didn't follow the rules or canceled just out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, but of course, there are always maybe a different kind of risks uh, going to the cloud. I mean, new services are creating creating constantly and uh, some of the services don't take off uh, from the cloud service perspective, so they cancel them. And that can be with quite short notice, uh, months or half a year, maybe. Uh, so you need to really make
0: sure to do that risk calculation. and uh, Yeah. You've got to make sure that the benefits outweigh the risk as well, especially when you're going to be moving a lot of your data mm. to somebody else, essentially, to host for you. Yeah. Always need to make sure there's some issues involved there. Um, so, did you have a look at the other questions that you had? Let's see.
1: How do you make sure you stay compliant if your organization has such requirements?
0: So, this is a, you know, a bit of a throwaway, uh, throwaway question. Uh, Henrik, do you do anything with compliance in the role that you're in? I try to stay out of that part. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's probably
2: extremely difficult uh, to work with, or so I heard but
0: yeah it's oh sorry no good answers for my son yeah. patrick maybe from a business point of view this is right up your alley
3: um well yeah well yes yes it is and um i actually had a good example for the for the previous question as well but it kind of like resonates to this area as well um we run also a um uh, a separate product uh, kind of a spin-off from our from our uh, cloud ventures um, can i drop a name here or is is that not kosher
0: um drop it related to cloud yeah, well, we
3: have a, we have a product i mean we yeah. can, i can just leave it out. it's it's fine um anyway we have a unnamed product uh media Taylor operates it um and um it's it's um it's a it's it's a, like a cloud based media storage slash media management tool um you can edit it out, it's called Media Pocket, if, if, if you don't want to <laughs> leave it in here, but um, um, yeah, so um, there has been an incident once where one customer somewhere around the world, I'm not going to go into details, uh, uploaded some controversial material there. So, of course, that was flagged at the data center. So that was then um, they had to investigate that part of the cluster. So... That that is a great example where that actually caused a um, that cluster had to be of course frozen for that time being, and uh, that in- investigating didn't that didn't really result in anything. But the cluster that we also used uh, that 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 impacted um, our service. So we had nothing to do with that. We just we used a cluster for that. But someone somewhere had uploaded controversial material. I don't even know what it was because it was just a, um, referred to as controversial material. Um, but that's something that you can't really uh, predict, you can't really um, um, plan for if that happens. And if the cloud provider or a uh, data center provider doesn't have a real-time um, backed up cluster, which could be a totally un- like impossible thing to do with, ju- with just one cluster, um, excluded then you're pretty much screwed because all of the clients who depend on that particular cluster are then uh, denied of access and that's really something that I, I, I had never seen before I didn't really think that that could happen but the more and more people the more and more more um, organizations and people even consumers start using public cloud that might have uh, Organizations using the same cluster, then these all these parties are affected the same.
0: Hakim, what do you think to that?
1: I think that maybe from the smaller cloud providers, that's that's uh, a bigger risk. Looking at the bigger ones, I think the risk is smaller uh, because you have the separation in another way. I think. Uh, between the different tenants, between the different organizations using those services, I haven't actually heard about any such incident uh, at the
0: bigger cloud providers. But
1: yeah, maybe I missed it. But
0: yeah, yeah. I need, yeah. how do you guys say compliant uh, over at, well, at Swedbank or elsewhere? Is there any set, are there any procedures that you put in place to avoid? Because obviously you're dealing with lots of you know sensitive data there. Yeah
1: so there's no no silver bullet it's just hard work i would say and uh, it's quite hard because uh, in a big organization as ours we have people working with only that full-time uh, legal uh, privacy uh, and so on uh, but from when we come from the cloud side of things uh, and want to architect it you need requirements okay. and they it's hard for them to translate that into the cloud world, of course. What, what does those traditional uh, regulatory uh, requirements actually mean? And often in an organization, uh, people have been doing stuff in a certain way. So there are old truths. Uh, maybe they don't really know why they are doing it. They just know that system exists configured in this way to be compliant. And then when we ask for requirements, it's really hard to get the the original requirements, so to speak. What is it that we are trying to achieve here? Because of course we will achieve it in different ways uh, with these new capabilities that are exist in the cloud. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, no silver bullet.
3: Paul, if I may, I mean I, I I have a really really short kind of list for for that kind of a compliant approach. Oh. If you want to, if you want to hear it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it starts with data restrictions, classifying data, defining what data can be moved to the cloud, first of all. Then, um, IAM, identity and access management, just enforcing all these policies in the cloud, Um, and also security policy management, making sure that they are implemented and automated, kept up to date, Um, auditing all the vendors for compliance and security who are who you are using, if you are using any. And then this is really key, I'd say like early collaboration. Um, if, you ha- if you are o- overseeing a big transformation project, then the earlier the collaboration between business, IT and security and um, operations is initiated, I'd say the easier it is to then consider these aspects. And then, of course, at the end, you have to balance between agility and control. Some security and compliance issues, they are waterfall models and they will probably be that for the time being. But that doesn't mean you cannot be agile. You just have to kind of balance the risk as we have all kind of discussed during this this chat. But then you also have to have these automated proactive controls that really reduce manual work and, and, and bring in automation and effectivity because all these policies will be there on the background, and they will be uh, reviewed by lawyers and compliant specialists. And that will never be an agile model, but combining these is key. So I just i uh, will leave it at that. Yeah.
0: Henrik, any follow-up points to that? Uh, sorry, no. no? Because, you, you know, you are, you know, a consultant within, uh, you know, within DevOps and software engineering yourself. So obviously sure, yeah. you'll have worked to kind of like a number of different companies and assisting, uh, whether it be in implementing a DevOps workflow or, you know, helping them with their cloud transformations. You know, you probably be in a bit of a unique situation where you've seen it from multiple different aspects. And um, so what, advice from company to company, you um, what 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 not not which companies specifically but uh what um, type of um teams were you in that seemed to adopt it better than others like, were there any specific differences within the teams
2: well uh, i i would as Gets down to bit culture again, and what kinds of people you're working with. Uh, I think it's you really need to have almost like a personal interest in this new stuff if you want to be able to adopt quickly, uh, because it's uh, it's so mu- much knowledge that you have to acquire in in a short period if you want to be productive. And uh, and then it it needs to uh, yeah either you have to have people that uh, are so interested that they are even spending time on their off hours learning or you have to bring in such experts to help uh, help guide you I would say.
0: Yeah because the learning curve obviously is huge when it comes to cloud and I know that's something that uh, Hakeem's team's heavily involved with at the moment like I think I'm seeing on LinkedIn every other week and you uh Microsoft Azure certification for somebody on your team. How's that going for you?
1: Yeah, I'm really happy about that initiative uh, in our organization. It's not only in the cloud team, it's um, organization-wide, especially within the different IT departments. And I think that's key because if if people don't have the understanding of what we are trying to achieve, of course, uh, yeah, they won't say yes (laughs) as a perfect word. Uh, it's more about no because I don't understand what you're trying to do. Yeah. So I think that's key to get the knowledge out there uh, into the organization. And uh, yeah, certifications. I think it's good for on the personal level. You you get to check, you, you verify your 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 knowledge. Um, and for me, I use it as a, a way of forcing myself to keep my knowledge current. So. Okay uh renewing certifications and so on i make sure that i don't rely on old old uh, knowledge because yeah the pace of change is so so
0: huge uh, you need to to keep up yeah because you've been in the business since the 90s you were saying so obviously it's come along with the cloud uh public cloud has changed quite dramatically since uh back then so i I imagine you've got a big difference between you know starting a team to start up cloud transformation, but then also joining teams that are already partway through. What experience have you enjoyed the most?
1: I actually enjoy both. I really like the pedagogical side of, of things to, to educate people and, and make them understand. So I really enjoy that. But of course, uh, working with teams where the speed is already there, uh, where you really can create solutions and bring business value and that's really satisfying but i like both sides of it yeah. and regarding the uh, knowledge getting old so to speak, i usually uh, joke <laughs> <say> with, <laughs> with the networking team and saying to them that i'm quite jealous because not too much has changed ip is still ip and routing is still routing of course it's yeah. more complex than that yeah
0: but there's an agreement there that there's a lot of passion involved and uh, that's you know, obviously you have to get the right culture and the right people in place uh, to even make it possible. Uh, mm. And that will all affect the speed, it will affect the compliance as mentioned earlier, it will affect, um, you know, how safely it gets adopted. So, you know, it's all about bringing in the right people in. And uh, You've mentioned, you know, the hiring people or bringing in experts. Um, what's your preference? We need both. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah we need both because uh, the workload really changes. Uh, there are period, Of course, there's a lot to do all the time when you're embarking on this cloud journey and, and transformation, but still there are peaks uh, where you need to get more people involved. And um, looking at the team I'm at, we are focusing on getting the, the cloud capabilities, the cloud foundation in place uh, for the organization so that we can onboard different initiatives in a secure and scalable way and cost effective way. Uh, and at the same time we are trying to help the different initiatives, the different teams to get awarded. And that's where we don't scale. So we have different approaches. Some of the initiatives are quite big. So they bring in their own consultants and they also hire their own own cloud competence. And uh, some of the initiatives uh, are really small. So yeah, we try to help them as much as we can. So it's little bit different depending on the
0: situation. Patrick uh, how about you? Obviously uh, you've got Media Tailor but Mm. you've also been involved in other companies and other management within operations. Mm. How have you found the balance between people and culture and you know um, employment versus experts? so on?
3: I'd say that it doesn't really matter if you have a small company or a big company um, you, it's really hard. I, I, I want. I don't want to say that you cannot, but I'd say that it's really hard, really challenging, to build any uh, complex systems or infrastructures if the key decision makers involved in their strategies, budgets, visions, goals, etc., uh, especially with people if they if those people are not in house. And usually that in, that involves having the top talent also in-house. Now, obviously, you need to have also people who really know what they're doing, really solid, good developers, architects, um, both like really good back-end coders. And, and usually sometimes you need to also have, have to have front-end builders. I mean, of course, you can outsource those people and, and that might be a good strategy. And and that you might end up having a really good team. Um, but based on my experience, um, a good strategy and a good situation would include having um, a solid in-house team where the um, where the key knowledge sits. And then I would say that that is really helpful for the team as well, because if you are only depending on the, the knowledge coming from outside the company that is building these solutions, then you might end up in a situation where you just have to ask questions uh, from people who you are depending to work for you as an outside consultant. And that's not usually always so effective.
0: I do know that a lot of um, consultants that I've dealt with, uh, part of their role is to, obviously they'll come in as the expert, they'll yeah. um, assist, they'll help, they'll you know provide the knowledge that aren't already on the team. But uh, one of the core things they do before they leave is they, you know, they, they don't just leave them with an infrastructure that they can't use. They they upskill the team. They train the team. Uh, Henrik, you're a consultant yourself. I'm sure you've got something, uh, there's some personal experiences based on that.
2: I think it's a very valid point that you you cannot, uh, like, bring in experts to build a solution and then have them leave. Uh, part of it has to be to train the uh, the long-lived staff, so to speak, Uh to maintain the solutions that you're building. and To be able to train them to do that, they need also to be part of the building, I would say, because otherwise it would be very hard to grasp what, what what has been, how it has been architected and constructed. Uh, so, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, using experts is probably a, a good strategy, but as uh, the rest of you have already pointed out, it, needs to be a combination and uh, this is i mean cloud technology that you deploy to the cloud is not free from maintenance uh thing services are changing all of a sudden the cloud provider will say we will not support this anymore so it will be taken down unless you take action and that's uh, not a great thing to hear if you don't know what this particular service is doing for example so you really need to have in-house the core competence that can maintain whatever cloud solutions that you've built.
0: Yeah. Is there any uh, follow-up questions or statements that anybody wants to make there? No? Fantastic then. Uh, Are there any other questions just in general that anybody else would like to ask to someone specific or otherwise while we're here?
3: Mm. Well, Paul, I might have one. Yeah? Um, since I'm in, a, uh, I'm in a privileged position uh, surrounded by experts, uh, I would just like to ask you that what is something very recent cloud-related that you have found interesting, important and something of value that you just want to either ask or share?
1: I came. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, that would be the big elephant in the room regarding Shrems too uh and what that means for for the for the cloud business as a whole in europe right now and going forward um so yeah i'm trying to follow that uh closely to see where we where where we are going i think it's a really uh hard decision uh for european organizations or on the european level because I mean, it has been known for several months now, but I don't know of any organization that has stopped using cloud services. And I Do guess- Do you want
0: that... to go into a bit more detail about STREMS too? Because I'll be honest, I'm not fully knowledgeable on what that is.
1: So on a, on a really high level, uh, there has been an agreement between the EU and the United States regarding how to handle data. Uh, and that agreement has been invalidated since this uh, since last uh, summer. So in practice, right now, using American cloud providers is not uh, it's not really possible. It's not allowed if you should follow everything by the book. Um, so yeah, that's that's quite a big thing that is going on and being in- investigated, or it is allowed, but the the measures you have to put in place are really not practical. So, in essence, it's really hard to use the big cloud cloud vendors. Uh, but I think the EU and most organizations are already too dependent on these services. So it's not as easy as saying stop using them because yeah, bad things will happen. I think yeah,
0: I've not come across that Henrik, have you uh, come across this? Have you had to make any extra, you know, um, adjustments to what you're doing in the cloud currently? Uh, no, that uh, particularly sure.
2: I have not been in touch with uh, actually at all. Okay. But uh, going back uh, to the question, uh, I can't think of anything recent, but more of a of a. Th- Something I'm thinking about, like, wh- where where will the abstraction end? I mean, uh, it feels like you're getting more and more fine-grained services from the cloud providers. Like, it started out with you can have your server in the cloud, and then you add stuff to that server and have it run, and so on. Uh, then, of course, you, you can have your Kubernetes cluster in the cloud. Uh, you can have, I mean, AWS it, calls it Lambda. You can have... Uh, just a piece of software that you <laughs> that you sort of upload to the cloud and have it run on speci- on specific events. Uh, so I'm wondering a bit where will it end and how will it look like in the future. It feels like uh, it will become more and more abstracted, and uh, yeah, we are getting further and further away from from managing servers or anything that looks like servers.
0: Patrick, have you got a counter to that?
3: Mm, uh, that's a really good point. And that makes me think that you can't really talk about cloud architects or or just cloud developers in the near future, just as you now have back-end developers, you have front-end developers, you have data scientists, you have uh, architects that are uh, specialised in a very specific piece of technology. and if you, so, what is a full stack developer nowadays? It's almost impossible because that would in, that would mean that you know most the current te- technologies and programming languages, and that's really, I mean, it's it's really it's possible, but it's really uh, uncommon. So, I'd say that's a really good point that Henrik makes, and I'd say that in the near future you will have just more and more specialization on people who specialize in a very specific part of cloud architecture and infrastructure, and we will depend on more and more, like, experts. You probably will not have too many people who know it all.
0: Don't you think that will be harder for cloud transformation if there's, like, mm. too many services now?
3: Uh, y- yeah, definitely. And that kind of ties up to what, what I've noticed nowadays is that you, you have, like, pop these small, small, really small, like, micro cloud providers, like, popping up. I've seen like three here in Finland, and, and, and they specialize in small business cloud adaptation. Not, that, I mean, they, they have focused on the small business sector. Uh, and, and that's really interesting. And that's, that's, that's really interesting because uh, that means that anybody can do it now. But that also means that if you, if you want to do it and you don't know how and, and you can afford it, you just need someone who can um, hold your hand. And, and and that means that you, you we depend on more and more people knowing how to do this. And if they are all employed by big companies and, and companies who use big cloud, then that opens up a, a job opportunities for people who kind of want to do it on the small scale. And that's interesting. I find that really interesting.
0: Hakeem, okay. what's your thoughts there?
1: Um... I, th- I also see the same, same pattern that you mentioned, Henrik, uh, the complexity getting worse, so to speak, and uh, more specialized services. Uh, I think this is a, a good discussion when you talk multi cloud as well. Uh, companies want to adopt, adopt that for different reasons, and some want to adopt it to avoid vendor lock in. I think that is, uh, you're fooling yourself basically when you try to adopt multi cloud because of that reason. Uh, because in the end, it means you can only use the very basic services that each cloud provider provides, uh, like VMs and containers. But the really powerful services are often quite unique uh, in different ways uh, at the different cloud providers. Um, because of that, yeah, complete uh, thing that you mentioned, Henrik, uh, more and more specific services are being created.
0: Fantastic. Henrik, you happy with those responses?
2: Uh, sure, absolutely, uh, and I think maybe also the answer to how to manage all this is, archi- I mean, having architects in place that can sort out the big picture among all these services is uh, not getting any less important. Probably, is I mean, it has to be made decisions. Is that this something we can use? Should we use it? Can we take the pain of maintaining yet another service for years to come and so on? So.